The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. It is episode 420, and we're going to light it up talking about USC in Colorado. Here on this episode, the Trojans looking to continue their dominant win streak over the Colorado Buffaloes after losing a long winning streak over Oregon State at the Coliseum. Hadn't lost since 1961. They lost last Saturday. Well, they've never lost to Colorado ever in the history of of the earth. We'll see if the Buffs can get their first win over USC in Boulder at Folsom Field on Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Pac-12 Networks. I'm your host, Mike Castillo, joined with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, We're back to talk about USC in Colorado. This might be one of the weirdest games to talk about because going off of the the lows from USC last week, um, going into a game in which SC has never lost to Colorado, but they're coming off of the, you know, obvious terrible game from last week. There's Carl Durrell. Carl Durrell has had this weird hex on SC because of the t- 2006 game. But again, he's Carl Durrell, and Colorado was good last year. SC didn't play them when Colorado was good because of the COVID stuff, but yet Colorado hasn't been necessarily great this year, particularly not on offense. I I, I don't know what to make of it. We're going to talk about it more, obviously, but it's it's weird to get into this preview because I, I, I don't know how to feel about anything. I don't want to throw out the no football reasons thing. Alicia, you're not supposed to just mention that off the top. I know, I know, but... No, it, it's more It's more that this game doesn't... It, it's so much about the circumstances, and it feels like this game could be perfect as far as, um, like, this could be just what the doctor ordered, as far as a team that USC can go in and beat up and sort of get some confidence back. At the same time, like, this is also a team that played Texas A&M tough, mm-hmm. and... They are they are pretty poor in the areas they're poor, but also I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a fight against USC. USC having to go on the road always makes me nervous. Having to go to Colorado, a place where elevation's going to be in play, makes me nervous. So there's there's things that are going on in this game that I think muddle the waters. But when you look at just the matchup on paper, like we shouldn't be the I sh- I should not be this nervous about this game, and yet. I'm nervous. Yeah, and let's just get to the elephant in the room, your voice, Alicia. Yeah, I... You, you, you sound like someone doing an Alicia impression. To me. <laughs> so, 
if people listen to the episode on Monday, the sore throat that I had, uh, spoiler alert, it wasn't allergies. I could have told you, um, the allergies thing yeah. is always BS. Oh, I don't feel good. It's allergies. No, no you just don't feel good. Like, no. the allergies is the cover. I I have allergies, so, like, I thought, no, I just have a sore throat because of allergies. And uh, I had, on sa- on Saturday night, to make myself feel better, I had you pick me up a strawberry shake from Jack in the Box. And sometimes my throat responds to dairy in weird ways, so, like... I was thinking, like, maybe it was just the dairy. Maybe it's just allergies, whatever it was. No, no. I am full-blown. This is this is full-blown sick. Um, I am hopped up on Dayquil. Uh, you know what you sound like to me? <clears throat> this sounds like the infamous Alicia from The High. Alicia? Hi. Uh, <laughs> from the soundboard, okay, from your very first reference ever on t- the podcast, t- timid Alicia. Does the, does the illness make me timid? More so, like you sound like you're thirteen. Really? Oh, yes. Okay. You sound like a thirteen-year-old doing an Alicia impression. Well, so the funny thing is, is that like my throat isn't as bad as it was, but now I'm very, very congested, and I'm also just extremely exhausted and just sick. So there's a lot going on. Uh, and <laughs> fighting through it. Better yet, you remember last year for April Fool's Day, we did the car cast. When, of, we, when I was... We did the mock car cast from the, the 2005 Notre Dame game. Yeah. And we both did, like, voices. Like, like, like we're, we're Like, we're talking like we're 15. I think I and- might... My voice might be up an uh, up an opt an octave right now. Um, yeah. because I, I'm in a, I'm in a little window where my voice projects. And if I try to go out of it, I feel like I'm just going to have it be cracking or I'm going to end up like coughing. So I, I do think I am adjusting my voice in that sense. So hmm. this yeah. is my NPR voice. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> but anyways, let's get to our Apple podcast review. Five stars we got from USC Sports Fan, a very original name. Uh, makes my evening so enjoyable. Michael and Alicia always manage to find the right balance of emotion and reason. During this tough season, the podcast is still something I look forward to every time. Thank you for giving me and other fans some great content. And let's hope we get much more of optimistic Alicia very soon. Fight on. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Yeah, I, I would love to be optimistic Alicia. I look forward to the days of being optimistic, Alicia. I think that once a new coaching staff is hired, like even if, I mean, let, let's just say like there are coaches that I don't want USC to hire, but even if USC hires them, I think I'll be able to find optimism. Like I didn't want USC to hire Clay Helton and still I was able to find some optimism uh, in the in the early stages of that coaching uh, coaching tenure. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, thank you for the review. Always appreciate a five-star review and always appreciate hearing that uh, we make the season a little bit more, a little bit more enjoyable. Palatable? Yeah, yeah, palatable is probably, mm-hmm. probably a good word. Yeah. yeah. We appreciate it. And you guys listening as well can always leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be awesome. We'll be your best friend forever and we'll mm-hmm. read your review on the air. Even if it's not five stars, we'll read it. Yeah. We do that. Yeah. We do do that. Yes. Yeah. But we, we prefer the five-star ones. Of course, helps grow the show. Uh, all right, Alicia, let's get get into it. Let's skip the news. Really, no news. There's really no news. Jackson Dart still ain't, <laughs> ain't available, and uh, and yeah, that's that's the gist. There, we did the news. All right, cool. Uh, let's just get into this USC and Colorado print. All right, Alicia, USC has never lost to the Colorado Buffaloes. Not only at the Coliseum, but they've never lost at Folsom Field in Boulder. They've never lost anywhere. Not Mars, Pluto, Uranus, Uranus, as the Brits would say. They've never <laughs> lost anywhere to Colorado. Uh, we'll see if that changes on Saturday afternoon uh, at Folsom Field in Boulder. Uh, the Buffs were 4-2 and two last year, 3-1 and one in the conference under Carl Durrell. Yes, that Carl Durrell, the former UCLA coach, who got the job seemingly out of nowhere uh, after leaving UCLA and gone to become an assistant in the NFL, and was kind of just forgotten about. I forgot that he existed. Yeah, I forgot he existed up until the point where they announced that hire, and I said, 
Huh? You mean that Carl Durrell? Yeah. Yeah. Same one. Uh, and he was like legitimately a really good coach last Great year in the sense season. that Colorado put together a season that nobody expected. They were very good. They were formidable. Uh, they were tops in the Pac-12 South uh, and going to meet SC as both teams being 3-0. and uh, In week four, that game, of course, was canceled because of the old Rona. Uh, so here we go into year two. And it's a new-look Colorado Buffalo team. Sam Neuer, the quarterback from last year, is off to Oregon State. And then there's Nate Landman. We've talked about him forever. We Remember, I feel like two years ago we talked about Colorado, how Colorado might have the best individual talent of anyone outside of, like, SC or Oregon, but yet the, the team itself might not be great because you had LaVisca Chenault, you had Nate Landman, uh, at the uh, time you Mustafa had uh, Johnson. Mustafa Johnson. Yeah. Like you had these good elite talented guys, but not necessarily the guys around them. Well, that was two years ago. And here we are in 2021 and we still have to talk about Nate Landman because he's still there. This dude has been playing since like 1932 He's a two-time... He's, he's the Britain Covey of Colorado? <laughs> yes, he is. He's a, he's a two-time All-Pac-12 first-teamer, uh, second-team All-American last year. He leads the defense. Uh, but on offense, this is... <sighs> How to get into it? Uh, Big ol' yikes. Let, let's, just, let's just start there. Um, Colorado last year was 17th um, in SP+. Uh, sorry, no, I, I misread that. USC currently is 17th in <laughs> SP+, uh, which is wild to think about. Um, I, I don't think SP+, accurately uh, ranks USC. I, I just don't don't look into SP+, when it pertains to USC's rankings. Com- I, I like it for everything else. I think that computer, there's merit in it. Computer calculations can be uh, tricked by empty calories, and that's what uh, what USC brings. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, let's no, but let's talk about Colorado's offense because let's not bury the lead. This is the worst offense SC is ever going to face in the history of the of the world. Like, I I think if UC Davis <laughs> was on this roster and was on the schedule, we'd say that they would have a better offense than Colorado. Uh, the Buffs are 104th in SP plus, which seems high to be honest with you. <laughs> They're 127th in scoring offense. 128th in total offense, 125th in yards per play, 128th in passing offense, 128th in passer rating, 123rd in the in the nation in drives registering a first down, which means 48.4% of their drives get zero first downs. Three and out. Yeah, 48.4% of the time. Wild. Uh, they're 129th in available yards per drive. They only get 22.4% of the yards. That means if you start at the, the one-yard line, you have 99 yards to gain. Uh, of that 99 yards in that in that scenario, they would get 22.4 of them, essentially. Uh, they are 129th in offensively in points per drive. They average 0.55 points per drive. Only Southern Miss is worse. This is the worst offense you will see in your life. I'm telling you. They had a negative (laughs) 19 rushing yards against Minnesota. 63 total yards. Which, if it reminds you of the 2002 USC-Colorado game, it should. I was there in Boulder. 40-3, SC1. One of my all-time favorite moments, or iconic moments ever at a game, was Colorado fans being mad. And leaving, and one guy walks down the aisle, stops, looks at the SC section, because where I was sitting, it was SC fans on one side and Colorado fans on the other, and he yells, well, at least we're not Pac-12, or sorry, at the time, Pac-10 P-words. Well, that's fun. Do you see the irony? I do. I do. Because... Anyways, uh... 2002, that game, SC held Colorado to 61 total yards. Well, here we are in 2021, and they were held to 63 total yards by Minnesota. 
They averaged 1.4 yards per play that game. They were 2 of 12 on third down. Before the last drive in garbage time, the longest drive in time of possession was went six plays for negative one yard. Five three and outs, nine drives of five plays or less against against Minnesota. A Minnesota team who followed up by losing to Bowling Green. Yeah, and I think the Minnesota game is the one that you have to highlight because it would, like, I want to give Colorado some credit here. They might not be the worst offense that USC has ever faced just because two of the of the defenses that they've faced are top 25 defenses, ASU and Texas A&M, are good defensive teams. So, like, th- th- some of these numbers might be slightly skewed to that, but, like, Minnesota is not a particularly great defense, and Minnesota held them to a shutout. Like, that's the game that, that you highlight as, okay, this isn't just poor luck of going up against some teams that are just going to shut you down. Right. Minnesota's not really shutting people down on defense. Uh, well, like they said. went eight quarters without scoring. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Helen Keller would have found the end zone before them. Right. Right, but if you like, if you play Alabama or something, something like that, like you're going to go four quarters without scoring, and it's not necessarily like a reflection that your offense is utter trash. Uh, SC scored six points against Alabama. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, led the game three nothing. That's fair. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you know, that is to be fair. The problem for Colorado is any grace you want to extend them. Kind of gets wiped away because yeah they should they should have put up points on Minnesota like that's 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 not a good sign Minnesota's defense is I think I saw a 60th and S and P plus like it, yeah they're 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 not a particularly shut down defense there and Colorado had no answers yeah you know that meme my expectations were low but damn but da- yeah that's yeah, a, that's that, exactly yeah it's basically what it is for for Colorado's offense I I don't have high expectations for Colorado's offense uh, yes. Uh, Sort of going into this, I, I sort of did, especially on the ground, Jarek Broussard. The 2020 defending uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. He averaged 449 yards a game last year, including 488 in a two-game stint against UCLA and Arizona. Pretty damn good. Uh, but this year, he hasn't been nearly up to snuff. Is uh, yet to break the 100-yard hundred, the hundred plateau. Uh, hasn't had more than 94 in a game, and that one was against FCS Northern Colorado, the game that they won 35-7. Outside of that, Colorado hasn't scored more than 13 points. 13-7-0 and zero in their three games against FBS opponents. Uh, Brendan Lewis is, is the, the quarterback, and the numbers are not great. 132 rushing yards is the thing that you're probably going to take away from this most which is pretty good uh, as a quarterback, someone who can run, which might scare you after Chance Nolan had a couple of uh, uh, scrambles against SC last week, uh, including one that helped set up a touchdown. Uh, He's only had 313 passing yards, only one TD, and only one pick. So if there's anything redeeming about Colorado's offense, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, they're, They're 26 in the country in drives that end in a turnover, like on a per drive basis well see but isn't that okay like okay that's good but also doesn't they have that, fewer plays like they're just not running a lot of plays doesn't so that's that part of it. doesn't that highlight how ineffective their offense is it would be one thing if you can't score because you're turning the ball over left and right sure. and you're shooting yourself in the foot but it's not that they're turning the ball over they just can't get first downs well this is like what we talked about with sc's offense like It'd be one thing if the offensive line was just letting everybody by and they couldn't do anything because of that. But no, SC's offensive line has been fine Fine. this year. Fine. Not the greatest offensive line, but certainly not the worst. Not the worst that we've seen of late, right? I mean, again, they've been considerably worse. It's the opposite of the I had low expectations, but like I had low expectations and they've exceeded those expectations by a long way. Yeah, and, and yet. Despite that, despite the offensive line not being the, the the part of this team where you're like, oh my god, how are they going to mitigate this? SC's offense still has struggled, which is the ultimate indictment. And yeah, the ultimate indictment about Colorado is like, well, at least they're not turning the ball over, but yet they're still struggling on offense. Like, so, I'd rather turn the ball over and I'd rather have turnovers be my problem because I right. feel like turnovers are things that, like, turnover luck can change. Also, you can emphasize that and prevent more turnovers later. Yeah. This is a bigger bigger picture issue. 
Yeah, so what does this mean for USC? Well, Colorado has a good rushing attack, like relatively good, all things considered, right? Like They're 79th in rushing offense, 79th exactly as well in yards per carry. Uh, that means they're not terrible. Obviously, 79th isn't anything to write home about, but if you're Colorado, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not their passing offense, right? <laughs> they're 129th in passing yards, uh, per game, and that's ranks behind triple option offenses like Air Force and Georgia Southern. Like, that's how bad the passing offense is. Yeah. But the rushing offense is just a mediocre rushing offense l- thus far. Uh, they, they, they've had 170, I think 177 yards against, uh, uh, Texas A&M. Um, they've been somewhat decent on the ground. But this is a USC defense that has been absolute Jekyll and Hyde the past four weeks. The two wins, I would say the defense absolutely carried USC and looked really dominant at times, especially against Washington State where they had like six drives in which they allowed a grand total of one yard. Uh, And then they go against Oregon State and they, they were like a pasta strainer that had huge holes in it. Yeah. That didn't do its job because it wasn't actually straining. Yeah. I mean... It was like using a, a a cylinder as a pasta strainer. Yeah, and letting all the pasta through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it it was it was almost inexplicable how just torn apart that defense was against, against um, Oregon State. So it's a concern because the strength of Oregon State was their run offense, was their rushing yep. offense. Set the tone. And Colorado, if they're going to set the tone on offense, it'll be via the rushing offense. The big difference here is that I think Chase Nolan is just objectively a better passer of the ball. Yes. Um, and so maybe that's the thing that you look to if you're USC. Maybe you can sell out against the run a little oh, bit more. Absolutely. Because, I'm putting eight guys in the box and making Colorado throw. Because Brendan Lewis is not, uh, he's, he, you know, if Sam Noyer was still there, which funnily enough, Sam Noyer is now the, the he lost his job at Oregon State. It's yep. a weird situation. But uh, Brendan Lewis, I mean, if Sam Noyer was there, I'd be way more concerned. I don't think that Brendan Lewis has, aside from his scrambling ability, and frankly, if a quarterback's going to scramble, then I think you live with that. I don't think right. he's going to be able to hurt you through the air. So you just sell out against the run and make sure that uh, Jarek Broussard doesn't hurt you. Right. I think there is a game plan here that is less about, you know, I we bring up now, we bring, bring up an episode, my my blanket analogy. I don't think the blanket's that small this this week. Like, I think that you, you, you don't really need to, like, you leave your feet uncovered because actually it would be nice to have a breeze on your feet. Like... That's not a, That's how I sleep. I sleep all the time with my feet out. So you're saying it'd be nice to have the 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 secondary get burned by Colorado? Is that what you're? you're no, no, no. I'm saying that like I don't think the secondary needs extra help here. I think the secondary sure. can live and breathe and do whatever they want, so long as you sell so you, out to you beat them. Put the them run. on an island like you did against Stanford. Yeah, and because they don't have Tanner McKee. They don't have Tanner McKee exactly, and right. and that's the difference is they don't have Chance Nolan. They don't have Tanner McKee. They do have a good rushing offense, so. Take away the run. No, and, I, and if, I fully and if agree. suddenly Brendan Lewis looks like a Heisman candidate, then then I don't know what to tell you. But you find you make him prove that to you. No, absolutely, you make him prove it, just like you did with uh, Tavita Pritchard in two thousand. Shoot, that's the bad example. Oh dear, bad, bad example. Okay, <laughs> no, really, you, you 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 absolutely sell out and stop the run in this game. I. Uh, Clay Helton used to always talk about it that, uh, and this is really a this is a Clancy Pendergast thing that Clay Helton kind of took from uh, Clancy Pendergast of the you stop the one thing that they're good at, and when Clancy Pendergast was on his game and when USC's defenses were good under him, SC was great at doing that thing. They would take away the one thing that the other team was good at. They might get burned in the other aspect, but they were at least going to put the team off kilter by doing that and trying to make them one dimensional. That's exactly has to be the game plan for here. You absolutely make Brendan Lewis beat you. And if he does, hell. <laughs> he did. If if Brendan Lewis can beat you, then you are always going to lose this game. Yeah, 
then it, you have other you have then then you have then bigger problems. You have much bigger problems. Which actually does. You but. cannot solve those problems in a week. So Yeah. So uh that's how the cookie crumbles on offense for Colorado against USC's defense. USC's defense, like like you said, there has never been a this is what the doctor ordered opponent for USC's defense after that Oregon State game, which we talked about in the car cast and in the Fallout episode. Probably like the worst defensive episode, uh, performance that I think I've ever seen in my life from you from a USC defense. Especially because that's if, how bad it was. Because if you're Colorado, you're game planning, watching that game, going like, "Well, that's our plan. Then we need to just you know run the ball and and run it down their throat." And meanwhile, right. USC the entire week is going to be that cannot happen again. Right. And I think that it's way more set up to play into USC's hands if Colorado just decides. Then again, to if you're Colorado, you're like, "We can't do anything on offense." Oh, wait, look at this USC defense. They just let Oregon State do anything. Yeah. They're thinking the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be on SC to bounce back. We did see SC bounce back after the Stanford game against uh, Washington State two weeks ago. And again, six straight uh, three and outs in which they allowed one yard total on those six drives. So if SC does that again, they're going to win this football game uh, just by giving their offense time. Uh, let's talk about USC's offense going up again up against the Buffalo defense. Uh, if, if there's two strengths of the Buffaloes, it's their rushing attack. So Jarek Broussard uh, was real, really damn good last year, like we talked about. And it's their defense. Their defense, I would uh, equate them to being good, not great, but on their day, they can be really damn good. Uh, this comes from Ralphie report of SB Nation after the Texas A&M game. Quote, for the first 28 minutes of this game, the Aggies had a grand total of 22 yards and zero first downs. The Buffs were so solid up front. Jalen Sammy controlling the line of scrimmage. Terrence Lang penetrating. Nate Landman cleaning up the mess. That they could be stout against the run without having to overcommit. A&M has talent and girth to dominate on the ground, but they had nothing going on early on. That really continued out throughout the game for the most part. I mean... Texas A&M had two long drives at the end uh, when they needed a press, but they only scored on one of them. They fumbled at the goal line in the other one uh, to, to, to win the game. But Colorado made them earn it. Absolutely made them earn it. And it all comes from Nate Landman. Again, we're talking about him. Like, legitimately, might be unlike... If we talk about the Pac-12 as the Pac-12 era, meaning it started in 2011... He's probably on the the Mount Pac twelve more of of linebackers. <laughs> Mount Pac twelve more. Yeah, of, I like of, it. Of Pac twelve linebackers, like we said, two time All Pac twelve first teamer, second team All American last year. He leads the Buffs in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, force fumbled, and pass breakups. Thirty seven tackles, five tackles for loss uh, thus far. He's the guy to watch. Look for him. Uh, and then there's Terrence Lang, the former USC commit from the class of 2017 out of Marantha in Pasadena. Former basketball player, 6'7", 285. He had a bunch of preseason accolades as well. He's more of like that space-eating defensive lineman. Only four tackles to his name through four games, but I don't think that properly registers what he can do to impact a game. Uh, so I'm really anxious to see what SC can do against this Colorado defense. Um, I don't know that they're the greatest defense in the world. Like we talked about, I think they're, they're a, a good, not great defense. But when you look at the defenses SC has faced the sheet so far, better than Washington state, better than Oregon state. Uh, well, and shouldn't that be the concern is that this is a defense that USC should be able to outpace. But USC has proven uh, incapable of outpacing defenses that right. are that are yeah. at this level. So this is going to be an actual test for USC to prove that that they can live up to their talent level. And and it gets really tedious having to talk about USC's talent level. And we all know that they should be producing more than they do. And we all know that there are some systemic problems that cause them to not do that. But it really will come down to. Uh, USC overpowering Colorado, and they should be able to overpower Col Colorado yeah. if they're 
minimizing mistakes if they're executing well, if the receivers are catching the ball, if the quarterback is delivering the ball properly, if the offensive line is if the offensive line performs the way they have in the first four games of this season, I think that you have a a, a foundation that you're perfectly fine to to move forward on with your rushing and your passing attack. You just need something more from I'm not expecting something more from the scheme, but at this point, so go out there and right. be great, Drake London. Go out there well, and be great, Keaton Slovis. The, the, the crazy part is, if you just eliminate the little mistakes, you allow this this offense, imperfect as it is, you allow this offense to be productive enough to win you games. Yeah. Look at Stanford. Uh, they had two uh, touchdowns go through their fingertips and an interception turned into a pick six that went through Drake London's hands. Yeah. If you correct those things and it's a game late in the fourth quarter, yeah. right? Like it would have been. The, complete, the game completely changes. And that's despite SC struggling in that game. It's despite them struggling on offense that they still had weirdly done enough to... Be involved if those things go their way. They didn't. They absolutely did not go their way. You look at the Oregon State game. Again, we talked about it with the drops. It, it, they left a lot of points on the on the, the the field in the first half by those drops, ruining third downs, and another one turning into an interception with, with Taj Washington. He had like three or four drops. Drake London had a really bad drop. Like You just eliminate those mistakes. You're going to finish off more drives than you already have. And you get back to, if you can get back to what this offense was last year. And again, last year we talked about how imperfect the offense was. But if you eliminate those mistakes, you get back to last year's offense. You you beat Colorado because Colorado should not be able to keep up with you despite uh, off, SC's offense being imperfect. H- Hero ball isn't a um, isn't a path to sustain consistent success. But but this is my point. It's like I don't think it's a path to su- consistent success. But USC has the players to do a little bit of hero ball. They just sure, need to start yeah. stepping up, and and maybe that's what we need to to accept. That again, the the problem is gone. Uh, the offensive coordinator will not be here next year. You could start with a new fresh fresh look. But for now, it's going to depend on just individual players just stepping up and making making plays. And that's yeah. what I'll be looking for. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's get it over under. USC and Colorado coming up on Saturday, 11 a.m. Uh, on Back to Networks. We'll talk about over under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, let's get into over under. I have a lead for the season. And of course, for some reason, I didn't write out write down what my lead is in the uh, the rundown. So we're just going to assume it's like a 30-point lead probably. Yeah, it's not that much. Yeah, something like that, I think. What's, what's, your, what's your first over under SC in Colorado? All right, I'm stealing one from you. Let's, Hold on. Translation. I'm lazy and didn't want to make my own. No, let's go again. Let's go again. You you, you got... I had to make the tough pick, and you ju- you got the win by just on the over. So I'm throwing it right back at you. 13.5 targets for Drake London. <sighs> All right. 13.5 13. targets 5. for Drake London. Last week, he had 14. Mm-hmm. Give me the under. Yeah, see? Here's my, here's my rationale. I don't think SC should need to have. I took the under last week too. (laughs) Fair. Dart threw the ball what forty nine times two weeks ago, and Slovis threw it like forty six times last week. They should not have to throw the ball that much Uh, this upcoming week. Dangerous word. Should not. Plus, I think it's a game in which both offenses are going to struggle, which is going to mean fewer plays in general. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my next one, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep the, the theme of 13 and a half and go 13 and a half carries for Keontae Ingram. Last week, he was the primary back for Oregon State. He had 14 carries, just like, uh, Drake London had 14 catches. Uh, he was 14 for 79 last week. Uh, but could SC end up going back to, to Vi Malapai? Could they get Keontae Ingram involved a little bit more than they did last week? 13 and a half. Remember, last time he had this many, it was 15 in week one, and he went down 
the following two weeks. So can he keep getting uh, surpassed that 13.5 threshold? I think it's pretty clear that they have moved towards him being the featured back, though. And I think that they're going to continue to try to establish the run where they can. And I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're going to get down so far that they can't keep running the ball. So I'm going with the over here. All right. All right. I I, I probably should have set the line higher, but I like this 13 and a half point trend. That's, uh, yeah, that it's tough, though, because he could easily have 12 or 13 carries and still get feel like he had a full load. Sure. Yeah. All right. So my next one is, uh, again, a 13 and a half. I didn't even plan this. Uh, Points for Colorado. They haven't scored more than 13 against an FBS team this year. So they they put up 35 on on the FCS team that they face. But everybody else, they've had, uh, we said it was 0, 7, and and 13 against ASU. So is uh, is USC going to give Colorado their season-high scoring? I've been torn on this because I've been torn on, on how to look at it. Going back and forth on whether I am going to, which number I'm going to predict for their score. But let me just say, 13 and a half is right on the damn button for me. Hmm. I'm going to hate myself for this. I'm taking the under. <laughs> I Well, that's funny because I was going to... I And these are just points. These are not... Uh, points. So it's not offensive points? No, points. Okay, so there's a pick six involved? It's points, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, I was going to, I really wanted to set this a little bit higher, but I couldn't decide on a number. So I just went with 13.5 as a, as a season high. But. So essentially, will they set a season high against an FBS opponent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take the under. So no, I'm going to say no, that they're not going to do that, which locks you into the over. Uh, next one for me, I'm going to go three and a half, three and a half, three and outs for Colorado in this game. They had three against Northern Colorado. They had six against Texas A&M, five against Minnesota, three against Arizona State. Uh, Again, SC had a crap ton against Washington State. Uh, Held them to three and outs, but could not stop Oregon State to save their lives. Can they force Colorado to have more than three and a half three and outs? Hmm, I think USC is capable of it, but I also don't like, I don't feel comfortable going with that over because USC's defense could perform very well and and have a couple of runs where they give up, you know, that first down and then and then rally. USC, I associate this defense with letting you move a, a few yards down the field and then stopping you. So I'm going to go under. Uh, and it's just a gut feeling there. That I think this one's hard to call. Okay, so you're gonna go under, even though 48.4 percent of Colorado first down uh, for, uh, drives do not have a first down in them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, w- I was tempted to put the line at four and a half, and that might be too much. So if you're gonna yeah, take the under, would have gone the under there. If you're taking yeah. the under at three and a half, I mean, feel yeah. better about that. Uh, what's your last over under? All right, I got 2.5 passing touchdowns for USC. Don't really care if it's Slovis or anybody else. Just 2.5 passing touchdowns. The reason I do that is that Colorado hasn't given up more than one touchdown passing in a game yet this year. Uh, they've given up four rushing touchdowns in the last two games, so it's not like they're not giving up scores. But they haven't really had teams feast against them through the air the way that you might expect, and it might just be because teams are so effective. They did on the ground. play a backup quarterback against Texas a Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, uh, but you know, they they, they were um, going up against Jane Daniels with ASU. Uh, they, they, ASU has people who can score through the air. Yeah. So it's just curious to me that that's been something that hasn't been unlocked as far as their defense is concerned yet. The other thing that's kind of funny or interesting or whatever is that Keaton Slovis has yet to throw more than two touchdown passes in a game this year. He threw two against uh, San Jose State, but he hasn't. I mean, obviously, he was out uh, for the majority of the Washington State game, but he hasn't thrown. He hasn't had sort of bulk touchdowns. So, huh? I'm going with two point five. Alicia, give me the under. Oh, really? I'm going under. Ooh, I'm going under. Yeah. Ooh, under on the two point five. Well, that's fun. Okay. Yeah. 
Rolling the dice. Uh, that locks you into the over. Uh, my last over-under is 99.5 rushing yards for Jarek Broussard. Again, the dude averaged 149 per game in 2020, but hasn't had more than 51 in a game this this year against an FBS opponent. 94 he had against Northern Colorado in Week 1, but he has struggled since then. Uh, 50, 51 against uh, A&M. He only had 8 against Minnesota. And he had 35 against ASU last week. Over or under 99 and a half. Which might be a high line given the trends. But again, have you seen USC's rush defense from that's, last week? That's exactly why I'm taking the over here. I just don't trust USC's rush defense. I don't trust this defense to not have a breakout play right. like they had against Stanford or just him to rack up the yards. I, I just don't trust it at this point. So I'm going to go over, and if, if that's a little touch of uh, of reverse psychology, then I won't be too eaten up about it. It's weird. I think if if last week would have not happened, I easily would think that the, the line here, I mean, that this Could is an obvious under. under yeah. Because SC has stopped the run well with under Tyler Lando. Last week was so... Like it was it wasn't out of character for what SC has been in the last decade, but it was sort of out of character for what they the way that they've struggled under Todd Orlando, and so that's what was uh, rather surprising. Um, so I don't know. SC needs to prove that they can stop it. So uh, you take the over. Uh, to, you say that he'll get the hundred yards. Uh, that locks me into the under. Uh, Alicia, let's get into game predictions. Bill Connolly's metrics with SP plus. Again, SP Plus loves SC for some reason. Uh, they say it's going to be a 35-20 to 20 win for USC over Colorado with an 81% win probability. Vegas, per win bet, says it's a line of 7.5. The Trojans, 7.5 point favorites over Colorado. Alicia, what is your game prediction? I am going USC 28, Colorado 21. I think it will be an ugly game that is not fun to watch, but I think that USC will have a big play or two from someone like Drake London that makes a difference in this game. All right. All right. I, I, I respect it. I like it. I thought I would go with something similar, uh, but I am going to go with also a seven-point USC win. 20-13. to 13. USC's offense has not proven to me that they're capable of scoring the 45 points that they scored against Washington State. Mm-hmm. They're capable of doing that on a reliable basis. So I'm going to say 20 points for, for the offense, and I'm going to say 13 for Colorado. I, I don't think Colorado can score many points. Uh, that's the most that they've scored against any FBS team, even despite SC's struggles on defense last week. I don't think Colorado's very good on the offense. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is, would I be shocked if this ended up like the Washington State game and SC won this game, like, 45-13 or something? No, not at all. Uh, but That's what I, USC should be winning this that's game. That's what by. they should be doing. I'm not going to predict that. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, finally, after the last couple of weeks, I last couple of preview pods, I've talked about, like, how this game is going to be middling and or dire for SC because of all these talking points. And then I go to the game prediction and I predict a big USC win, which has been stupid. Why are you guys calling me out on this? I'm an idiot. You should yell at me because if you listen to what I say and then you see the score predictions, they don't line up. So this time I'm going, I'm sticking to what I'm, the tone of what I'm saying, 20 to 13 USC win. No, I don't think either of us expect very much from this game. Uh, let's go to the mailbag. You've got mail. Alrighty, Alicia, let's go to the mailbag and start with a voicemail we got from our friend, uh, L.A. Fred. Hey, Raina Troy, this is L.A. Fred calling. So I'm seeing and hearing uh, all the same social media stuff. I'm sure everyone else is. Uh, now calling for Graham Harrell and Todd Orlando to be fired to play all the young kids so they can start the prep for uh, next season. That's all well and good for us fans and our point of view, but the reality is, is none of that's going to happen because 
the coaching staff, the die is already set on this staff. Nothing else is going to happen. Helton's gone. No other coaches are going to get fired unless they do something, you know, unforeseen right now. And, by the way, each coach is fighting for their own lives. They know they're not going to be retained on this staff, so they're fighting for their next job. They're not going to – there's no incentive for them to play the young guys to watch them grow and develop. This isn't professional sports where you can tank to get a better draft. That's not how college athletics work. Players are fighting for their future, be it some guys going to the NFL or transferring to another school next year or to put on film for the incoming staff. I think the biggest win for us fans has already taken place this season. It's helping being canned. Anything else that happens now is just gravy. We need to be able to find the joy in the fact that knowing that things are going to get better once the rebuild is able to start, even though it might get actually worse before that time period can happen. Helton and poor athletic directors ran this program into the rocks for a decade. It's going to take longer than two weeks to turn this ship around. So let's just all hope, let's root for the players to develop and improve and hope that they all have enough self-pride in themselves to give maximum effort in all that they do. That's all we can really ask for, and that's all we should really expect. I watched Colorado and ASU uh, on Saturday night, and I think even in the current crap state of turmoil that USC is in right now, they should be able to take the buffs and put them behind the woodshed this week. Let's all have a good week. Fight on, everybody. Thanks for the call, as always, LA Fred. And yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it. Like, I, uh, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in the day. Uh, SC isn't torn apart in the day. Uh, in this, in this sense, it's gonna, it's gonna take a while, a while to, to rid themselves of the, of the failures, right? Um, before they can get better, you got to get worse to get better. Yeah, and also I think it's really important to highlight the perspective that L.A. Fred gave there about uh, the players, you know? The players are still fighting for a lot of their own personal uh, sort of achievements and, and desires, and I don't think it's as simple as, well, now you just play all the freshmen and you hang those upperclassmen out to dry or or anything like that, like... I think you want everyone on this team to still develop at, 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 as, at as positive a level as possible. And you're you're not going to achieve that by just saying scrap it. So yeah, th- there's it's it's more complex than just like playing a video game where you just, you know, plug in a bunch of kids and then they get XP and you, then they you, get better. You trade next year. all the seniors for, for draft picks. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's just not how, that's not how like life and reality works. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it works in college football. I think if this was the pros, yeah, you do what the Cubs did this year, right? Yeah. You get rid of Chris Bryant and, and Anthony Rizzo. And yeah. Harvey Pius. Yeah. But you get something back for those guys in some those sense. Are, those are fake I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> You get something back. They weren't real, but you you get something back for those guys, and you, you sort of move on to the next stage. Where the next stage is still going to involve most of these players. So, yeah, and 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 you do owe it to these players. Remember, they aren't professionals. They do get scholarships, and now they get nil stuff. But most of them aren't getting nil stuff. And you cut. You do owe it to them to give them the shot to to set themselves up for the best possible situation for themselves yeah. as well. Yeah. The best guys should play. Like that's that should always be the philosophy. The best guys should play. And if the best guy is the young guy, then play the young guy. And if it's not, then play the older guy. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think it should be the best guy. I, even though it's it's easy to to want the the development side of it. I, I just don't know that that works in in college football as easily as as it may seem. Uh, especially like I said a million times now. This is a staff that. Won't be here in 2022. They they are not looking at the development side of things right now. Uh, let's go to a text message we got from Jay and Yukaipa. Related to the OSU Fallout episode, is Clay Helton even a group of five head coach? What does he bring to the table? He consistently has not won with the best talent in the Pac-12. How could he possibly win with inferior talent? He wasn't even a good coordinator. Respect to Clay Helton the person, but I just don't see what qualities he possesses that would allow him to be a successful coach somewhere else. What does he have to sell to recruits? He had to be forced to replace his coaching staff. I just don't see it. Keep up the good work and fight on. I think you make a lot of good points here, Jay. I I don't necessarily disagree. 
I think the difference is if you are a group of five school, there's multiple things that you're hiring a coach for. One of those is prestige, buzz, experience. And whether or not we talk about, you know, Clay Helton's merits as, as a scheme guy, as a coordinator, which we've talked about ad, ad nauseum, wasn't that guy, right? Uh, he wasn't the Graham Harrell of, of his time and that he was had an upward trajectory uh, put upon him. At the same time, I, I, I know he won with USC's talent, but he won a Rose Bowl and he won a Pac-12 conference. I think that sells in a room like a, a G5 uh, athletic department. I think that absolutely sells. Uh, and I think it sells to recruits. Yes, I agree that like he's had a, the, an issue of developing talent, but he's had an issue of developing USC's talent. I don't know exactly how that translates to to you know playing with the roster full of two and three star guys if he goes to like Tulane or something. But I think that if you're Tulane, you want to coach with the visibility and the name of Clay Helton because that sells tickets. I I personally don't think that Clay Helton will be a particularly successful G5 coach, but I guarantee you that administrations will look at him and yeah. say he's somebody that we're going to we're going to try. Um the number one thing that Clay Helton brings to the table is genuinely players like him, families like him. Like he builds trust in a way that I think the only reason he was able to keep his job for as long as his, as he did was a reflection of the trust that he built in a locker room and with the community of the the players and the families and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. So right. I think those are those are merits that will land him a job. Whether or not he'll succeed in that job, as always, I say it will depend way more on the coordinators that they put in place and it'll be tough to find good coordinators. But, you yeah. know, also it's easier to win in G5 because you're playing less competitive teams all the time. So Yeah, the expectations are completely different. And yeah, anyone who's who's met Clay Helton talks raves about him as a person. That's going to win in an interview room. So I think that that will get him a job if if nothing else. All right, we got a bunch of messages on Slack and Twitter, so let's wrap this up by going some rapid fire reading these. Uh Sean in Mid-City-ish. Colorado has never beaten USC. Well, I'm not sure it happens this week. Do you think there's value to these streaks being broken? especially during the transition and rebuilding years? Does it alleviate pressure in the future, or do coaches, players not even think about that stuff? I don't think it matters. Like, substantively, I think it's fun to have the streaks. I like them. Um, I think that there are some rivalry streaks that it, yeah, I think can, the rivalry streaks that it can play a mentality, but, like, for USC and Colorado, I don't know that it matters. So, uh, for me, I see value as a fan in... If you're going to have that streak be broken, break it when it's not impacting USC's postseason hopes. But other than that, no, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I, I don't think it matters in that sense. Most of these players probably did, don't even know that those streaks exist. Yeah. Uh, before and after, probably, even, too. Uh, Marcelo says, less of a question, but more of a perspective. As an official old person, I was there during the Hackett years. I would encourage everyone to just enjoy the games as they come. If they lose, fine. If they win... Hey, pleasant surprise. Alicia and Michael are right in that the objective of their season to move on from Helton has been achieved. And after the OSU loss, nothing matters because everyone except maybe Dante is gone. The Colorado streak is nice, but it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I hope USC bounces back and manages to beat at least one of our rivals. If not, that's fine too, because next year, win or lose, whatever we will see will be blessedly, miraculously new. Fight on, Marcelo. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's easier to have that perspective that I share, Marcelo. I think it's also easier to have that on like a, on a Wednesday. Yeah. And this is one of those things. We got a question from Lee on Twitter that said, like, should I even watch? And this goes into what, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the pod. I think it was in that deleted episode after the Stanford game, how people were like, I'm out. I'm never going to watch this team ever again. I mean, I'm, I'm done and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let's be real. By Saturday, you were going to be all in, even if Clay Helton was still fired. I mean, was still, was still hired. Here. Yeah, you would have been all in because we're sickos. We're sickos. Yeah. We're sick people. Yes, who watch these games and are invested. And the inverse is true. The people who, you know, after Clay Helton was was fired, are like, well, I don't even care about the rest of the season. The objective has been 
achieved. Like Marcelo, like I think the perspective that Marcelo is saying is absolutely right. I think come Saturday at one thirty, if Drake London drops a pass, everyone's dropping an F bomb. Yeah, because we're sickos. We we yeah. we are we are ingrained to uh, to to be that way. So yeah, it's a good perspective. I just it's hard to stick to. Uh, David Orange County says. Uh, it seems less and less likely that we're going to salvage the season. So should we be giving our young guys some real playing time and damn the red shirts? I think red shirts still matter uh, because the future coaching staff is going to want those guys' eligibility uh, retained. Uh, and, and like we said earlier, it's not that simple. Yeah. And really, realistically, merit should still be the thing that determines playing time. Yeah, I think it especially matters for quarterbacks, which is why I talk about it with Miller Moss, even despite the four-game rule. Miller Moss being QB2 when he was originally QB4 uh, makes it a little bit of a different situation for there. But outside of that, I'm okay with playing anybody. Uh, if so, should, who should be looking to get more playing time, says Dave, Rajon Davis, Manjack, Treg. Uh, Dart slash Moss, Sierra Wright, Prophet Brown. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Rajon Davis gets out there. And uh, Trigg and Manjack, I think, are definitely, definitely playing. Well, yeah, Trigg is already playing and should be playing. Manjack is already part of the rotation and should yeah. be. I don't think they're going to pull him so they, so they don't get their fifth game. I would love to see Rajon Davis get in there, but again, only if he merits it. And that's for the coaching staff to decide. Yeah, because the flip side is we talk about these coaches won't be here. They're not also not going to be here to get the benefits of someone keeping their red shirt also. Uh, tweet from uh, Steben who says, Am I wrong or do the linebackers seem to be holding the defense back? It seemed like they were shooting gaps at random last week rather than reading the play. Defensive line should make more of a push too, but in a 3-4 defense, I think the linebackers should really need to help more. Uh, I don't disagree. The linebacker play has been... Bad for several years now. And when Orlando's a linebacker coach. Yeah, not good. Yeah, I, I think the, the linebackers definitely need to be more active. you you got to see more from, from Drake Jackson. I feel like he's been a not utilized as much as he could. Uh, Rob C. says, uh, There are obviously a lot of places where things just aren't working that great, but what are some of the bright spots beyond, besides the obvious being Drake London where you have seen improvements, and what are you excited about going forward? I think we've talked about the offensive line being fine uh, again is like maybe in the grand scheme of things, isn't the greatest development, but they didn't take a step back. And for USC's offensive line, that feels like a win. Yeah. I, I, I still think USC has some talent on this roster. So I think that the secondary looks like there's a lot of young talent there are linebackers coming through that you can get excited about. Um, the receivers, there's young guys. Michael Trigg is an exciting guy. So it's it's really just about seeing what a new coaching staff can do with this group. Yeah, I would say the running backs. I think the running backs mm -hmm. look, look really good. Uh, last question. Sean in beautiful Austin, Texas. Uh, is there any show on the horizon that you would love to get to have a Rod on Got-like show? I myself am super hyped. For Tokyo Vice, I recommend the book, Alicia. Um, the 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 closest thing to Rod on Got we might have gotten was Rod on BB twenty three. Uh, yes, but also we we talked about doing we, a we Ted Lasso. Really podcast. want to do a Ted Lasso podcast with the uh, THT guys and uh, and our, our friend and Keely our friend Keely Yor from uh, USVoll.com. Jake from and What's and Jake from What's Brown Show. Th yeah. Those two would be very the, offended the, if we didn't mention. Well, yeah, we don't want any Keely erasure going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, Keely. The 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 Rot hates yours days chat is really what I should uh, what I should describe it as because that's what it is. Or as Siri says, our ring, ring T hates yours days yeah. because we put a there was an emoji addition for the Rot with the ring once we got engaged so. It's one of those things. But either way, uh, yeah, there are shows that we want to do, but there's also so many dang shows out there. It's kind of hard to, like, have that appointment viewing thing that Ron Uncott was was hitting on. So Yeah, I don't think there's any shows anymore that you need to watch on the day that they drop, with the exception of, like, Big Brother, something that's, that's in yeah. real time. Yeah. And we haven't been caught up on Big Brother. Yeah, like, we're, we're, we're behind like on Big Brother. Behind. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's over now, so I'm going to avoid spoilers. But yeah. 
Uh, USC and Colorado, they play on Saturday, 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. This is going to wrap up the episode, episode 420. Uh, Thanks for listening, and leave your reviews and comments, all that stuff. Alicia, final word. The final word is broken, as in don't break your hand by punching a wall after having too many drinks, like a certain brewer's reliever did, apparently. Who was that? I don't know yet. I'm going to be writing about it in a second. Devin Williams. Ooh, Devin Williams. Yeah, good times. He's got a great card. Great uh, Mm. monthly card in uh, Diamond Dynasty. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.